0: Hello, one and all, and welcome to Film Fragments, a podcast where we take fragments of an actor, director, or genre and tell you our favorites from their catalog. My name is Brian Sophia. I'm your host. My hair is an absolute mess, but I don't give a shit because this is my show. My hair can look as perfect and as messy as it wants to be. But enough about me. It's time to introduce our guests. Who join, joining us today is going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about our favorite films directed by Steven Soderbergh, Oscar-winning filmmaker, writer, director, cinematographer, editor. I mean, he does the whole nine. It's incredible. Very eclectic filmography, and I'm very excited to welcome our guests. Bailey Hurday, is here to talk to me about our favorite Steven Soderbergh films. Bailey, welcome to the show. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well, Brian. Thank you for asking
0: I'm so excited to have you on. Truly, I'm I'm very excited to have you on. We've been talking for a little while, and now we finally get to meet, and we get to gush about Double S, Steven Soderbergh. Just so excited to talk about this man. And before we get into talking about this man, I like to throw a curveball question at the start of these episodes. So if you could get, wow, I see, I'm just so excited to ask you, and (laughs) I'm My words are just all all over the place. So if you could take one character from a Steven Soberg film, guy or girl out to dinner where it's with family, friends, or just yourself, which character would it be?
1: I I think I have to go for the easy answer here and say Danny Ocean.
0: Easy answer. That's a that's a great that's a great choice. That's a I mean, why wouldn't anyone want to take George Clooney out to dinner? I mean, really like you know, exactly. you could have you could have said his character from out of sight. And I would be like, hey, that's fine, too. You could take him out, too. <laughs> so, either one,
1: I feel like either one would have like, you know, they just have great stories. They'd be good to look at, you know, it'd just be a great time.
0: <laughs> it, it, you wouldn't even care about the meal that's in front of like down here. You would just care about the man that's in front of exactly. you. You'd be like, f- you'd be like, fuck my meal. I'm looking at this. <laughs> This is my meal tonight, exactly. Not,
1: not the food.
0: <laughs> so, so, for me, this is really tough. Um, honestly, to kind of go off very hot looking men, very suave dudes. I am gonna go. <laughs> this is so cliche. I'm gonna go with Rusty Ryan, Brad Pitt's character from the Oceans trilogy, yes. because you know what. I mean, talk about prime hotness for Brad Pitt. I mean, all three of those Liam men are gorgeous in in all three of those films. I mean, and all three of them haven't really aged at all, which is insane. Yeah, that's who I would go with. In terms of girl characters, that's really tough because, you know, I kind of wanted to pick Andy McDowell's character from Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, between her and then Rusty, it's like, which one do I go with? I mean, they're both like incredibly gorgeous and everything, but it's like, I have no idea who to pick, but Rusty just seems like a very laid back dude. So it would be nice to have a meal with him, just chat it up about whatever with him.
1: So Mm -hmm. that's who
0: I would pick. So, so Bailey, talk a little bit about yourself. Talk a little bit about what got you into film. Talk a little bit about, you know, some of your favorites of all time and talk about some of the stuff you do online regarding film.
1: Um, so I'm from Virginia. Uh, That's where I currently am right now. I went to college at Sarah Lawrence College. Um, I got into film. I think I got into film really by way of my mom's like entertainment and people magazines as a kid. Um, She's always been like super into celebrities. So then, you know, I just kind of picked that up and I was, you know, looking to see all their fashion and what they were doing and when movies were coming out and all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, it's just a hop, skip and a jump over the watching movies and and TV and stuff. And I don't know, I just, I've always loved it. So, you know, it's always been, I always have time for a movie, always have time for TV. (laughs) Um, and then I guess the stuff I do online is mostly just post really dumb shit about whatever movies I'm watching or, you know, whatever TV shows I'm watching, Always have to have an opinion on all that stuff, um, which I always enjoy uh, talking with people with people like you <laughs> online about all that stuff. But, yeah.
0: I love that. I love all those answers. <laughs> I, 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 I love that so much. I love a lot of the stuff you tweet. It's ridiculous, but I appreciate <laughs> it. It's very enjoyable film Twitter humor that, you know, sometimes film Twitter could be so like cringy and so mean but your mm-hmm. your tweets are really hysterical so Thank I, you. Pre- I, I very <laughs> much appreciate your content and what you bring to film twitter and speaking of film twitter we're going to be talking about someone that a lot of people look up to someone that a lot of people love Mr. Steven Soderbergh so Steven Soderbergh what a filmography truly I mean what a catalog of really a Excellent stuff. He has a very wide variety of different genres that he's tackled. And the thing that I love about Soderbergh is that he could do something so small, like something really small, like a sex lies and videotape, or he could do something very big and grand like an oceans trilogy or other kinds of films. Like he's tackled pretty much every genre like possible. The guy's been making films for over 30 years and the thing that I love about him is that not only does he direct and write, I mean, he shoots a lot of the films that he's directed and he's also edited a lot of the films that he's done. You know, he shoots under these different names, Peter Andrews, then Marianne Bernard. And it's incredible how much work he puts into all of his films. It's really impressive. And again, the amount of genres that he's tackled throughout the years is really impressive. There are plenty of filmmakers that like to dip their toes into different genres, but I don't think to the extent of Soderbergh, because he's done, like I said, pretty much everything at this point. And he keeps pumping out great film one after the other. Sure. He's had some duds the last few years, but I mean, what filmmaker hasn't had a dud? He's just one of those guys that whenever he slaps his name on a project, I do get very interested in seeing what he does because he brings together great actors and then he tackles really interesting premises. And I love that a lot of his films are set in different locations. He could make a film set in America. He can make a film set in overseas. Like he, could do, he could even make a film set in space. I mean, that's the thing that's so impressive with Soderbergh is that he is very versatile with his craft. He can make something that is very appealing towards anyone, any kind of audience member. And then he can make something that's very catered towards us film geeks, us cinephiles, and some people may call his films pretentious. Some of them, sure, may hint her on that, but he's one of those guys, like I said, that he has tackled everything, a very eclectic filmography, and I really do love a lot of the guy's work. How do you feel about Soderbergh? Why do you think a lot of people... Love Soderbergh's work so much even though he's had some duds these last few years like what makes you a fan of Soderbergh but also why think he appeals towards so many people across the world film geek or not what about his films stands out to you most
1: to me I think that you know he does have those kind of you know we'll say like pretentious tendencies or whatever but I would say overall like his films are very equalizing like he has those you know he has a very distinct style he has a very like especially visually the editing you know it's 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 very clearly like it's very precise but it's not you know it's not um unapproachable for anybody like you know anybody can go and see Ocean's Eleven you know and enjoy it but you still see those kind of flares of you know, the editing, the styling, like all that stuff. It's not it's he makes blockbusters, but already blockbusters, you know. Uh-huh. And then he has his kind of more more low-key indie things, whatever, but I think those are still, you know, engineered for kind of like a mass appeal, like um, you know, even like Solaris, something like that. It's kind of it's sci-fi, but it's like a more elevated concept, but it's more grounded in the sense of like you know it's not explosions and lasers and and all that stuff but you know you can still it's still very easy to access like you know it's about it's a love story like that type of stuff I I love that all of his stuff regardless of the subject matter um you know the 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 narrative whatever it's very it's grounded you know it's very easy to access especially in terms of emotion and and character.
0: Absolutely. 100%. So I'm very curious to hear your list. I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks now, and I just cannot (laughs) wait to see what you put on your list. I can't wait to see if it surprises me or if I'm not surprised. I'm curious (laughs) if we have any similarities. I'm sure we have at least one similarity, but I cannot wait to talk to you about Soderbergh. So let's not waste any time. Let's get into our top five films Directed by Steven Soberg. So, Bailey, I have to ask you a very important question. What is your number five favorite Steven Sowerberg from of all time?
1: Okay. I just want to preface this by saying that this was like picking favorite children. This was very hard for me.
0: <laughs> oh, I saw the tweet. I saw the tweet. You're like, oh, I can't do it. I can't write these films.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's so hard. Like, you know, there are definitely ones that stand out above the rest. But he has so many that are still, like, You know, maybe they're not top five, but they're still, like, right up there, you know? Um, But I think my number five is Solaris, uh, which I watched for the first time recently. Um, I unfortunately didn't do my homework and watch the original one first. (laughs) Just because that one was, like, three hours, and this one is a tight, like, 90 minutes. And I was like, that's that's much more (laughs) appealing. But having said that, uh, just as a movie... By itself without you know talking about the original I really enjoyed it because like I was saying earlier I think you know this is his like one foray into sci-fi this is his one kind of like out there concept you know there's this planet entity whatever that's recreating people who are dead who are just not there who you know people are thinking about there's not it's not super clear like what's going on exactly but you know, what is clear is that, you know, this is about a man whose wife died, who he misses so much. And then all of a sudden she appears to him again. And then, you know, it's kind of like about their relationship and his relationship to his memory of her and her relationship to her own memories and stuff like that. It's very, you know, in the end, it's it's just about people and how we interact with each other and stuff. And I really, I love that about it. And, you know, George Clooney, of course, is amazing in it. Um, love seeing Viola Davis in Steven Soderbergh movies. I I want her to do a movie where she's main character with him, please. <laughs> even if you hear this.
0: Oh, it'll um, happen at some point. It's going to happen at some point.
1: It has to, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I think everybody's super great in this. Uh, and it's just it's a nice like contemplative sci-fi movie, but it's also like just human relationships and stuff like that, which I'm a sucker
0: for. <laughs> yeah, I unfortunately have not seen this one. This is one of the few blind spots on the list. I I've never seen the original and I've always wanted to watch it. And then I was going to watch this one, but then I'm like, see, I really don't want to be that guy because there are people online that fucking adore the original. I mean, it's Tarkovsky and you know how the cinephiles are towards him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, of course, there are people that are like, this remake is a piece of shit. It's sacrilege. Why would you remake Solaris? Oh, my God. And like, I can understand that. I can understand people being a little antsy with the fact that there's a remake to some of it so beloved. But I mean, this film did pretty well. It got really good reviews critically. And I think it's so interesting that Soderbergh directed this. You know, this is so far, like you said, is probably is only foray to science fiction. And I said this very recently that I love sci fi films like this, where it's not all about like the explosions and the lasers and all the fights and everything. I like the more self contained sci fi stories, which is why. I loved Ex Machina so much, and I loved a film recently like Ad Astra so much because it was very contained. Yeah, it was pretty to look at. It was very stylized and everything, but it was more focused on the story and the characters rather than the scope. Because a lot of the sci-fi movies that we get nowadays are more about the scope and making everything feel so grand but they don't really put a lot of effort into the characters. And, you know, when you have someone like Soderbergh, you know that he's not going to do that. You know that he's going to put as much care into his characters as humanly possible. And that's what he did with this. I think it's also cool that James Cameron produced this. I think it's very cool that it was a nice pairing between them two. And, yeah, I mean, George Clooney, I've seen the images. I The poster for this movie is one of the sexiest-looking posters I have ever seen in my life, where it's mm-hmm. him and uh, Natasha Meg Elhone, you know, from the Truman show, you know, they they're like close to me, kissing, and I'm like, wow, okay. that is steamy as fuck. That is so hot. Holy shit. But no, I definitely want to give this a watch. I want to give the original a watch as well. And I think a lot of people consider this probably one of the better remakes to have come out because Obviously, I'm sure a lot of people can acknowledge this is probably not as good as the original. But I mean, how often do you get a remake better than the original? It's very rare that that happens. But it seems like a lot of people do appreciate the fact that this was a good remake. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. it stands out in its own. And I'm sure Soderbergh was nervous tackling this film, you know, because... You're remaking something so classic like Solaris. And now it's like, oh, my God, one of this doesn't live up to anything. Like one of this is bad. And clearly everybody, a lot of people seem to like it. Obviously, your praises toward it is very like it, it ver- it's very encouraging for me. Now it, it helps because whenever I go down the road of watching this movie, now I know that I'm like, OK, if Bailey says that this is good, <laughs> then it must be good. If she's wrong, then. We'll figure that out later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the funny thing is, too, that uh, apparently the author of the book that both movies are based on doesn't like either adaptation. So, oh,
0: Well, that's reassuring. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so they have that in common, you know.
0: <laughs> that, that is very reassuring, to say the yeah.
1: least.
0: <laughs> so for me, my number five, I'm going to go with the film that was labeled as his big come back after his retirement. And that's Logan Lucky from 2017. So I think when it was announced that he was coming back out of his retirement to make another feature, everyone was so excited. They're like, Oh my God, he's coming back. This is so exciting. This is great. And what better way to come back to do another heist comedy. And this may not be the only heist movie on my list. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) But um, to talk about this movie, fantastic ensemble. Chan Tatum, Adam Driver, Daniel Craig, Seth MacFarlane, Riley, Riley Keough, Katie Holmes, Hilary Swank, Katherine Waterston, Sebastian Stan, and and this cast, and I, I just love that he's in this movie, pre-The Boys, Jack Quaid. I love that he's in this so much. It's, <laughs> it's just so great. I know everything there is to know about the computers, okay? All the Twitters, all of that stuff. <laughs> uh, no, I, I love this film so much It was so entertaining It was so exciting The entire cast did such a great job I never thought that I would love The parent of Chan, Tim and Adam Driver I never thought that I would need that in my life But they work off each other Really beautifully And you, brought, you bought their brotherhood I just love their dynamic together They're so different from one another That it somehow works Really really well And I think the thing to keep in mind with Soderbergh is that he's really good with comedy and, you know, a lot of the comedy could come off very dry to some people. But what I think Soderbergh does really well, especially with his comedies, is that, yeah, he could do comedies that come off very dry, but he does comedies also where it's very easy to laugh. And this movie is fucking hysterical from start to finish. And I love the racing sequences. I think the heist element is so fun and so entertained. But the best thing about this movie, hands down, is the jaw-droppingly amazing support and performance from Mr. Daniel Craig as Joe Bane. Oh, oh, my 100%. God. Let me, <laughs> let me tell you, when that first trailer came out and you heard his accent, I was like, oh, my God, what the hell happened to James Bond? What is going on with this? But I was so excited to see him in this. He stole the entire show. It's one of my favorite supporting comedic performances of the past few years, especially in a, in a studio comedy like this. I just love, love the performance. Every single delivery from him is pretty much pitch perfect. <laughs> Literally the sequence where they're underground and he's asking about 20 or 30. And he's like, is it 20 or is it 30? We are dealing with science here. And then he's in the back of the car and then Riley Keogh's driving. He's like, I'm about to get naked. So no peeking.
1: <laughs> I said no peeking. Exactly. <laughs> and it's the superior unhinged uh, Daniel Craig Southern accent, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah.
0: now, now, the real question is, which Southern accent was better? This one or his accent knives out? Because that's tough. I think,
1: I, you know... I, despite living in the South, I wouldn't call myself a a Southern accent uh, aficionado, but (laughs) uh, I definitely, I will say I was more entertained by the one in, in Logan Lucky. I think he just, he just went. Fall to the wall oh he oh he (laughs) went
0: in and then not to mention the bleach and not to mention the bleach blonde hair that he had I mean it was just Mm -hmm. it was just so out of left field for him because I mean if you've only looked at him as James Bond and you see him in this it's like a complete 180 it's ridiculous and then I I guarantee you that ryan johnson saw this movie and was like okay god cast daniel craig as benoit (laughs) blanc and i mean that's it's history from there but no i love this movie so much it was a great comeback for soderbergh i think if soderbergh you know being retired from filmmaking and then to come back with a film like this was really a great thing so i love the film you know there are people that online that would like another movie set in this universe with these characters would I say no to that? No. Do I need a sequel? No, not necessarily. I'm good with this being a one and done thing, but I would absolutely love to see another movie where Daniel Craig plays a great supporting comic character. And yeah, I, I love this movie. So are you going to pass or is this not on your
1: list? This one is not on my list, but I I want to say that there was great deliberation because I also love this movie um i love the the part where the the prisoners are are holding or having their um their strike and they're talking about they want the the game of thrones books and then they're going back and forth about how how come this guy knows about what happens like we need more books and he's like no he hasn't written more books it's the show like <laughs> he said that his promotion schedule is too grueling he can't write the books right now <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, it's so funny, like, especially watching it now, because like, you know, we'll pass the end of Game of Thrones, we've got this new prequel now, whatever, like, I think everyone's pretty much accepted that George R. R. Martin's is probably never going to finish those books, you know, it's such a, like, what year did that movie come out? 20... 2017. 2017. It's such a 2017 joke, but it, it's it, still it, like... It is
0: a 2017 it
1: really is but it like it just transports you right back like to that to that era of like what's gonna happen in game of thrones and it's it's so it's so funny too to think of you know like of course these guys would want to be up to date on the you know sexy dragon show <laughs> So can we, great, also, but
0: can, we, um, can we get more of um um driver playing armless men please
1: yeah
0: right oh god i just god i mean seriously the parent of him and channon is like so perfect like they're so perfect together and and, absolutely i mean adam driver's maybe my favorite actor working today like of his generation maybe my favorite Mm -hmm. so like him working with soderbergh is just so incredible and just like i mean it's like the roles were tailor-made for every single actor involved like every single actor nailed their role and it was perfect i could be i'm a little iffy with um seth mcfarlane's british accent but i'm able to push that aside because his time on screen was pretty entertaining i'm not gonna lie
1: yeah i feel like i i feel like it's kind of um you know it's kind of in the same category of daniel craig's like southern accent like you know they're just are just going for it like it's not for accuracy it's to make a- them look Absolutely. ridiculous you know
0: they're going, they're going in they're having a great time and that's then you could tell with a lot of these comedies that sober helms. and like i said this may not be the only heist movie that we talk about today so <laughs> we'll see which other one we talk about it may involve a number or it may not involve a number we'll have to see <laughs> and some form of water but like i said we'll see so now moving on to our number fours what is your pick
1: all right. My number four is Aaron Brockovich. Um, my personal winner is The great Soder- or Soderbergh of 2000. Um, respect to traffic, but I think this is a better movie. Um, I just, this is also one that I watched recently for the first time. Um, I'm not like a huge on movies that are, you know, based on real life events or biographies or anything like that. But, um, I ended up really loving this movie. I just thought it was so so fun Julia Roberts is amazing of course but like she's really amazing in this movie um and it's I think it's such a great like underdog story without being like cloying or you know like it has all the stuff that underdog stories have but it never feels cliche or overdone or or anything like that like it's just you know, she, it's a story about a woman who finds out people who are hurting and she cares and she goes out of her way to help them. And that's it. And it also has the greatest Cheryl Crow needle drop at the end. You know, I, I need to acknowledge that. It's so great.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a great film. I, I hate that. I didn't put it on my list. It was so close to making it. Um, I do believe that, I had this discussion with someone recently. Someone asked me, what do you think is not your favorite Soderbergh performance, but you think the best performance in the Soderbergh movie? I think when looking at the best, Julia Roberts is right up there. Like, it's a phenomenal performance. Uh, She won the Oscar for this. And yeah, I mean, it's it's an incredible story. It's just so engaging. And, you know, we don't really get a lot of movies from Soderbergh where – I mean, he's done a lot of films where we've had a female lead, but I think that this is one of the best characters that he's ever brought to life. And yet this is a real person like he brought this story to life very, very well. And I get it's it's incredible how this is a real life story. And yeah, Julia Roberts. I mean, I'm not like a crazy fan of her she's never been my favorite but i do think Mm -hmm. this is the best performance she's ever given i don't think she's ever been better and i think it's so cool that also the um the real aaron brockovich makes a little appearance in this movie too i think that's great Mm -hmm. and it's crazy too that soderbergh had two best director noms two best picture nominees i mean is the other one on my list We'll have to see. We'll pay (laughs) patience, everyone. But it's, I don't think that's ever happened before where a director had gotten two best director nominations in the same year. Can you imagine if like he got these two nominations and he didn't even win? Like, can you imagine how crazy that would have been? Like, that would be
1: crazy. Like,
0: oh, I get two best director nominations in the same year. Oh, I don't walk away with one. Oh,
1: (laughs) Oh, but (laughs) he did. (laughs) He, he,
0: he luckily did and very deservedly so. So Absolutely. my number four, I feel like is regarded by a lot of people as maybe their favorite film from him. And I I know that it's so disappointing that this is so low on my list. My number four is Sex, Lies and Videotape. This is one that I just watched for the first time very recently. I bought the Criterion a little while ago. And I remember being so infatuated with the cover, like mm-hmm. Andy McDowell just looking into my soul. I'm like, oh my god, oh yeah, it's a Soberg moochu. Yep, sold. I watched it. I popped it in, and it blew my expectations. I had no idea where it was going to go. It surprised the heck out of me the entire time. And I mean, can we talk about how gorgeous this cast is? It's it's insane. Andy McDowell, seriously. I mean, oh my god. <laughs>
1: She's a beautiful woman.
0: She really is. I I feel like beautiful is an understatement when describing (laughs) Andy McDowell from not only from the 80s when this movie came out, but Andy McDowell still looks amazing. She still looks great to this Mm -hmm. day. And and then she brought us um, her daughter, uh, Margaret Qualley, who's also just so fucking talented and so gorgeous. I love her so much. Um, the lead singer of bleachers is very lucky that he's engaged her. He is so fucking lucky it is fair. <laughs> it is so, it is so unfair. I don't like that, but <laughs> the regarding sex lies and videotape, very interesting, uh, independent drama thriller. I, there's so much going on in this movie and you have all these troubling people, you know, nobody in this movie is perfect. Everybody is flawed in their own ways and they're all going through various different things. One is having a bad relationship with their husband. One person is new in town and then he's doing some weird corrupt stuff. And then said husband is having an affair with someone very close to said wife. It's absolutely wild. It's bonkers. And the entire film is pretty engrossing. And it's a very special film because it won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival in 89, and it made Soderbergh the youngest solo director to win the award. He was only 26. At the time, that's two years older than me. That's fucking nuts. Here I am at 24 (laughs) doing nothing, and here he is at 26 winning the highest award at the Cannes Film Festival. I mean, oh, my God, dude, like incredible stuff, truly phenomenal stuff. One of my favorite directorial debuts that I've watched in a very long time. I mean, the acting across the board is great. James Spader, he scares the fuck out of me. Anytime (laughs) I see him in something, he legit crawls under my skin. He has... He seems like a very down to earth dude. I've seen him in interviews. He seems like a very nice guy, but oh my God, he knows how to play creepy and fucked up so beautifully. It is insane how he's able to do it. Uh, really enjoyed Pierre Gallagher's performance here, too. I thought he was really good. And I want to give a shout out to Laura San Giacomo, who played uh, the character of Cynthia. Not going to say her affiliation with anybody, but she i mean oh my god um another incredibly gorgeous person holy, holy shit and i i i've never seen her in anything before so it was cool watching her in this i the entire cast did a great job i think the film is just so engrossing and, and it's just It's a cool concept. It's a very cool concept and it's a great debut. You know, sometimes when you watch a directorial debut and you could tell that the director is still getting their foot in, but it doesn't really work as well as their later Mm -hmm. films. This is one of those scenarios to where, yes, Soderbergh is clearly getting his foot in as a filmmaker, but it's one of those films that's like really on the same level as the films that he made later on, whether they had a bigger cast, a bigger budget, more financing, like. This is an incredible debut, truly incredible debut. It really left quite an impression on me. I remember messaging you on Twitter. I'm like, Bailey, this film is fucking me up and I don't like it. (laughs) But I I also really like it at the same time. No, I love this movie and I wish it was higher on my list. But there are just three films that I love a smidge more than this one. Mm -hmm. So those are my thoughts on Sex, Lies and Videotape. Are you going to pass, or is this not on your list?
1: Pass. It's, yes. it's higher on my list. <laughs> oh, oh, I
0: can't wait to see where, where it is on your list. So now, number three, what do you got?
1: Okay, so this is where things started getting a little dicey, and it was really hard for me to pick the top three. But my number three is Ocean's Eleven, which is crazy for me to put it at number three. But, you know, but I do, I, I, Ocean's Eleven is genuinely, like, the most rewatchable film probably I've seen, ever made, probably. <laughs> um, it's just, like, it's such a ball from start to finish, you know. Obviously, everybody is doing so many great things in it. I think it's just, like, again, like, it's that precise, filmmaking like every every time I watch it I catch you know more little details that show that you know from the beginning like Rusty and Danny knew exactly what was gonna happen up until the end you know even when it seems like they're surprised like it's a surprise that they've accounted for and you know they're ready to move forward it's just it's so it's like surgical filmmaking and it's so fun to watch and even when you know the outcome you know, there's still like, there's so much to catch There's There's just like, you know, beyond the, the details of, of what's happening. Like there's so much joy, like just watching everybody interact and like stepping into these, like year long friendships and, you know, feeling like you're part of it. It's just so great. I love this movie so much as does everybody else, but (laughs) we're talking about me.
0: (laughs) Besides Danny ocean, do you have any favorite, like a particular favorite character of the 11?
1: Hmm. Um, let's see. I love, I love Julia Roberts in it. Um. I think Tess is great. And I also, I think that like the more, the more that I see it, I think of Ocean's 11 as like a love story. Like it's a romance, you know, like Absolutely. he's doing this, he's doing this to, you know, get Tess back, but mostly just to show her like, you know, you can do better. And, you know, I'm having a lot of fun doing this. Like it's love for Tess. It's love for being a thief. It's love for, you know, having fun with the boys. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tess and I think um I forget Elliot Gould's character's name, but I love him. Ruben. Elliot
0: Gould Ruben.
1: Ruben, yes. <laughs> I love his his glasses and his outfits and like in the in in Ocean's Eleven when they go to see him and he's like thanks for helping me out and the, with the guy in the place with the thing, <laughs> it's just so great.
0: Oh man, <laughs> you're from Chicago, right? Yeah, get the fuck in the house. A <laughs> uh, pass for me. This is a pass for me. Um, so. When people hear what my number three is, they're going to be like, you put this higher than Sex, Lies, and Videotape? Hey, you're goddamn right I did. My number three is one of the most surprising films I have ever seen in my life. I remember watching the trailer for this movie being like, okay, this is so not a Brian Sutfield movie. This is 100% not a movie for me. I like everybody involved, but this 100% is not a movie for me. And then the reviews came out from people I trust. And I'm like, okay, I will give this a watch when it comes to streaming or premium, whatever. Mm-hmm. So then I watch it as soon as it comes to premium. And as soon as it ended, I said, holy crap. This was one of the biggest surprises I have ever seen. Magic Mike, baby. <laughs> Magic, <Bye>. Magic Mike. <laughs> I think Warner Brothers deserves like a massive round of applause because they... They fooled everybody. They made everyone think that this was going to be a movie that was entirely centered around male stripping. And yes, there are male strip scenes in this movie, of course. But it's not just about that. It's about someone figuring out their place and their purpose. And I think this film contains some of the most breathtaking shots Dance sequences aside, I I think straight up, this is one of the best looking films that Soberg's ever shot. I think it's a film that is beautifully directed. I think the screenplay is fantastic. And I think the whole cast is just really outstanding. Obviously this was a very personal story for Channing Tatum because when he was younger, he was a male stripper, you know, he performed in these nightclubs and did all these things and everything. And, What I really liked about the movie was that it found a way to appeal to everybody. You know, obviously, there were the women that went there to see the dance sequences, and they got them. They got (laughs) them. But I also really like how there's a story with this film. I like that you're following Mike. And he's such a well-versed character. And Channing's performance, I think, is fantastic. I think when Channing works with Soderbergh, that's when Channing is at his best, in my opinion. And he's worked Mm -hmm. with Soderbergh like five times at this point, maybe six. And obviously, they're filming the next Magic Bike right now, which, I mean, we'll we'll talk about the anticipation for that (laughs) later on. But um, yeah, I just, I, I love this movie. It was such a big surprise for me the way that I was surprised by this movie kind of reminded me so much. Fittingly, another Warner Bros. movie, crazy stupid love. That movie looked like the most basic romantic comedy ever. And even Mm -hmm. though it has romantic comedy tropes, it surprised the hell out of me because it was a lot more than just being a rom-com. It was a lot Mm -hmm. deeper than that. And that's what this movie was. It was a lot deeper than being just the male stripper movie. And I remember a lot of girls were very disappointed in this movie. I just wanted to see the strip scenes. Why did we get this story? It was so boring. And everyone just kept talking. I just wanted to see some dancing. Listen, you got your dancing and it was phenomenal. Okay. But the story was really great because of how it was written And how it was directed, and I mean, like, I love the consensus for Ron Tomatoes, like the way it's worded is just so funny. I just I have to read it. (laughs) Magic magic mic sensitive direction, smart screenplay, and strong performances allow audience to have their beak, their beefcake, and eat it too. That's a great way to describe (laughs) it because you know the audience will eat that shit up when they get when they have the sequences where they're dancing. But Mm -hmm. I really love the story. And I love the characters. I mean, remember when Alex Petterford was trying to be like a thing? Like I do. Like, I... like he was in a million things around this time. He was in that shitty Vanessa Hudgens movie. Mm-hmm. He was in that um, I Am Number Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else was he, he was in, in at this time? He was
1: in that remake of Endless Love.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: Mm-hmm. What,
0: <laughs> what else was he in? I feel like he was in some other <laughs> big kid. project. Like, I, I, I feel <laughs> like he was they in agree. something else. Yeah, that might have been it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty much it, because then he really didn't do anything. Yeah. I will, I, I will say there's a really funny short sequence where he does a pretty, I'm not going to lie, a pretty spot on Schwarzenegger impression. I, I'm, not gonna I, like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. It was a pretty great Schwarzenegger impression. Like he said, like all of Schwarzenegger's iconic lines and meshed them into one sense. I was like, damn, this is actually really fucking good. (laughs) Like, this is pretty great. And I mean, the rest of the cast is great besides Chan. I think Alex actually did a pretty good job in this movie. I thought he was really good. I liked his banter with Chan Uh, Tatum. Matt Balmer was great. Joe Mangiello, he was great. Mm -hmm. But oh my God. I don't like to use the word snub very lightly. (laughs) But I'm sorry. Matthew McConaughey was robbed of a nomination. He was fucking incredible in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my God, he was so good in this. And I mean, like... (laughs) the fact says the law says you cannot touch, but I think I see a lot of lawbreakers up in this house tonight. Oh, exactly. So it's so good. His delivery of that was perfect. And this was during the the area where Matthew McConaughey was like really like picking great role one after the other. Mm -hmm. He was doing like Killer Joe, Mud, Magic Mike, Dallas Buyers Club, Wolf of Wall Street, Interstellar. He was picking great film one after the other. It was an impressive time for the McConaughey, oh, and True Detective season one, of course, he was in that at this time as well. But no, I love I love when movies subvert my expectations. I love when you walk into a movie expecting one thing, then you end up getting something completely different, which, you know, a lot of people could complain about how this movie was very mismarketed, And sure, maybe it was to an extent, but like it was still very entertaining, but it was also a lot deeper than you thought it was going to be. And I really loved that about this movie. And that's a credit to Soderbergh. Truly a massive surprise. One of his best films, I think he's ever directed. And yeah, I just I love following this character. I have I have not seen the sequel. I have not seen Magic Mike extra, extra large, but I will have to see it before <laughs> the last dance comes out. And again, we'll talk yeah. about our hype for that later on. So um
1: you definitely now, do because Andy McDowell's in the second one. So, you know, Soderbergh didn't direct that one, but it's it's a spiritual, you know, reunion. <laughs> you
0: you had me on Andy McDowell's in that <laughs> one. <laughs> now now I have to put that at the top of everything I have to watch. Like screw everything I'm watching for future episodes. I gotta watch <laughs> Magic Mike XXL next. So, Magic Mike, are you gonna pass or is this not on your list?
1: this one is not on my list also a hard exclusion because i love this movie for exactly the same reasons that you do i feel like like magic mike is like i always tell people you know because they're like oh you know i don't want to watch that especially guys you know like they're like mm-hmm. oh it's about male strippers i don't want to watch right. that or you know, whatever <laughs> and i'm like actually uh, magic mike is more about like the fallout of the recession and mm-hmm. growing up and you know and and coming to terms with your identity and yes. and how hard it is to an identity
0: crisis movie. That's really what yeah, this movie is. Exactly.
1: Like, it's 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 like it's a surprisingly like sad and like introspective movie considering that you know the main billing is that there's male strippers in it.
0: <laughs> oh, it's it's fair. It's a pretty sad movie. Like there's no. The, the whole relationship that goes on with Mike and Olivia Munn's character is like a real emotional crux to the story. And Mm -hmm. meanwhile, obviously he's trying to do something with Cody Horn who plays Alex Pettifer's sister in the movie. And Mm -hmm. I mean, like it's a lot deeper than people would think, which is why like the movie I think works as well as it does. Like you said, like, you know, it's a movie about discovering yourself and, you know, dealing with an identity crisis of sorts. And you know, you don't really get that. You would think walking into the movie, you're just going to get this stripper extravaganza. And yes, it is that. But it's a lot deeper than that, which is why I think a lot of people li- and guys, especially. I feel like that's why a lot of guys like the movie. They don't
1: want to admit they like it. But th- come on, you li-
0: they like it. They like
1: exactly. It. And it's it's fun too. like, I think you know you kind of get a taste of it in in Magic Mike and then you get a lot of it in Magic Mike XXL but it's also about like you know male friendship and and their relationships and kind of like the way that Matthew McConaughey uses um Channing Tatum's character you know he's obviously he's like you know the the center of the show and you know he's the money maker and he's like oh you know, I'm going to cut you in on this deal and we're going to go together. This is going to be a business deal. You're going to be able to grow up and get out of the the stripping. But he keeps, like, cutting him down, you know. It's, like, it's it's so good. And it's, to your point about Matthew McConaughey being snubbed, like, absolutely. I think this role is so great for him because it's kind of, like, the perfect marriage of, you know, his early 2000s roles where, you know, he's doing all these rom-coms. He's kind Mm -hmm. of, like, you know he's there to be looked at he's he's dumb but he's he's cute he's nice and da da. and then you know these later more serious roles you know where he is playing more complex complicated characters like dallas is so good because you know he's bad but he's bad in such a a normal way and it's kind of like not necessarily what you'd expect from somebody running a strip club you know like exactly He's especially a male strip club because, you know, I think we're very accustomed to seeing strip clubs with women and, you know, the guy running the club is a piece of shit. He's he's bad to all the girls, you know, he's taking advantage of them, whatever. But like, you kind of expect a guy running a male strip club to be like, you know, one of the guys, like, we're all in this together, guys, whatever. And he used to be a stripper, so he would get it from their perspective, but clearly he's using them. Um, And I think just, like, that dynamic there is so fascinating and the way that, like, Soderbergh communicates it, you know, not only in the script, but just visually is so, so great to watch.
0: 100%. 100% agree with you on that. So now our top two. Now, obviously, there is a film that I brought up that you passed on and there's a film that you brought up that I passed on. So I'm really curious to know where that particular film lies. So Bailey, what is your second favorite Soderbergh film of all time?
1: So my second favorite is sex lies, and videotape because that one, I think I, I re- I watched it again, like last night and then Or no, two nights ago. But the first time I watched it it was kind of like on a whim. Like a day that I woke up like super early. Way earlier than I needed to. And I was like, you know what? Let me throw on this, you know, super sexual movie at like 10 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) 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 Um, And just like you, like I was totally blown away. Because I don't really know like what I was expecting. But I think... I just went in kind of blind and came out like, wow, like that is, you know, a movie to quote Harry Styles, like a movie, a real film going to the movie. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's just, it's so great. And I think that, you know, is, is a real like distillation of what Soderbergh is good at, which is, you know, human relationships, like power dynamics, kind of the weird kind of taboo things that that fascinate people you know I think like you said like James Spader is great at playing kind of creepy weird guys but I think this is like a great role for him because he is weird but it's it's in such a like neutered way almost like you know if you've seen the movie like the kind of a pun but <laughs> um it's like he's a freak but like it's so it's it's like there's no teeth to it like and everybody kind of becomes complicit in what he's doing like it's not it's not like he's watching some woman from afar like you know totally without her permission creeping stalking her whatever like everyone is totally consenting to what's happening and it's weird, but, you know, it's like this, this bizarre form of intimacy that he's cultivated after, you know, whatever happens and he says he's impotent, he he can't have sex, or he won't have sex, it's like not really clear, impotent seems to be a bit of a, an exaggeration. But, um, but yeah, I like, I kind of like that, It's it's such a fascinating thing to watch this different approach to intimacy you know, alongside Andy McDowell and Peter Gallagher's relationship where she's like, you know, for some reason, like I'm just disgusted. Like every time he tries to touch me and, you know, he kind of tries and then she pushes him away and then he runs away to, you know, um, uh, his sister. And it's, it's just, I think there's so many fascinating things at play there. And like you said, like everybody's performance is amazing. And, and, when James Bader gets that gets Andy McDowell to do her videotape and Peter Gallagher, I love, I love the way that it's framed because, you know, Peter Gallagher finds out that, that Andy McDowell has done this videotape and then he runs to James Bader's house, you know, beats him up, locks him out of the house and starts watching the videotape. And then, you know, what we're watching is what he's watching but we're kind of in the moment and it feels like, you know, you're right there experiencing this, this kind of level of intimacy. And then, you know, they're talking, they're talking, and then Andy McDowell turns it around on James Bader and starts asking him questions. And he feels like super uncomfortable with it because it's never supposed to be about him. It's supposed to be about, you know, watching or, you know, receiving intimacy rather than, than giving it. And then, you know, you kind of see this like huge dynamic change there. It's just such a great movie. And I love, I love watching it.
0: It's so good. I mean, it's, you pretty much nailed everything on the head. It really, (laughs) it really is excellent. And I mean, like, as someone who went to film school, it's just so amazing to see a debut like that. And it just, it, it, I mean, it just left me shook. And I definitely want to watch it again, because I feel like, it could go to like a five star for me on second viewing. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's so good. It's true. It's Andy McDowell. I just, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) wow. Truly. Wow. My number two is a film that I passed on earlier and that's oceans 11. I I love heist movies so much. And I, I really think that, this like they simply just don't make movies like this anymore. You you watch in a, a heavy ensemble piece like this, and it's just it's very hard to replicate what Soderbergh did 20 years ago with this movie. Like you said, it is so entertaining. It's so flashy. You get those sprinkles of what Soderbergh incorporates into his very artsy films But it finds a way still catering towards the mainstream audience because of how likable the cast is. The great needle drops in this movie, by the way. Oh, my God. That's another thing that's so good about Soderbergh is that he's really great when it comes to putting music in his films, whether it's the score or the soundtrack itself. There's a lot of great bops in this movie. Mm -hmm. And it just it looks stunning. And the entire cast I mean, oh, my God, the ensemble here is truly phenomenal. Like everyone has great. You could tell that they all had a great time working together. You could tell that they had a great band together. Nothing felt forced. Nothing felt hammy or goofy. It all felt genuine, in my opinion, which is something that's very key to an ensemble piece like this, is that everyone needs to work off each other really well or else this isn't going to work. And thankfully, because Soderbergh got a lot of these fantastic actors it found a way of working as well as it did. I mean, look at this ensemble. George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, the late great Bernie Mac. Oh, my God. It's it's uh, watching these movies. It made me sad that he's not with us anymore. Yeah. Uh Elliot Gould, Casey Affleck, Scott Kahn, Don Cheadle, Carl Reiner. Uh, I want to shout out the guy that plays Yen. I'm not going to pronounce his name, but he's incredible. And then Eddie Jamison as Livingston Dell. For a long time, I thought his name was Livingston Deli. I, I thought that was his name. <laughs> but I'm like, and I'm like, who names themselves Livingston, Livingston Deli? Livingston, I mean, Livingston
1: Dell is.
0: That, that, that's close <laughs> enough, but. Yeah. Oh, man. No, but I. And then, of course, Julia Roberts, the addition of her. She's gray as Tess. And Andy Garcia as Terry. What a delicious villain. I'll just. Mm delicious just truly a great 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 (laughs) villain truly a great a great character actor who really deserves a lot more recognition like i feel like he really doesn't get as much film work as he should i know he recently just had uh the father of the bride adaptation that just came to hbo max which Mm -hmm. i heard very good things about i haven't seen it yet but uh no the entire cast here is great and i mean yeah and I, I, I love telling this story regarding this movie. So in the beginning of the movie and at the very end of the movie, Danny Ocean is released from prison. Now this isn't necessarily an exciting thing, but I guess it kind of is. So the prison that he's at and the prison that they shot on location at is only less than 10 minutes away from where I live, which <laughs> is, which is so cool because it's like they, they have shot a lot of movies at that prison. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the the appeal is with that prison. Fittingly, they shot another Matt Damon movie there called Rounders with him and Edward Norton. They shot that oh. there. And they also shot primarily a lot of The Hurricane with Denzel Washington there because the guy mm-hmm. that Denzel played in that movie was actually in that prison. Like, that's mm-hmm. where he was. That's where he served his sentence, which it's just so crazy to me. It's like, oh, I only live 10 minutes away from there. I mean, it's not great to announce that you live so close to a prison, but I, it's really cool that like, oh, hey, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts. Like, uh, can you imagine you're just driving down that road and then all of a sudden you see a film crew and you're like, oh, who's here? Oh, George Clooney. Oh, Brad Pitt. Oh, Julia Roberts. And you're like, oh. oh,
2: oh. Yeah, like, right? Just,
0: like, I, I, would be, I would be shook. I would be shook. And then literally down the roads where I got my driver's license. It's just it's crazy. But- no, I mean, it's a great heist film. It's so much fun. It's so entertaining. It's so... And also the story is just great. Like, you know, yeah, it's fun and everything. But, like, these characters, you care about all of them. They all have their moment to shine, even the ones that have as little time as possible. You know, Casey Affleck, he has a little time just talking like this and everything. He's very nice <laughs> voice. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like... You know, doing all his Casey and then Scott Conn moving his hands around like his father and everything. Just, oh, my God. I just I love this ensemble so much. It's like pitch perfect. And it does make me think of a film that came out many years later, a film that I personally really love because it makes me think of Ocean's Eleven. It's not as good as Ocean's Eleven. It's a (laughs) film called Tower Heist, which unfortunately, the guy who directed it is a piece of shit. But the cast, they are fittingly also with Casey Affleck, Casey Affleck's also in that movie, which is funny. But the ensemble for that kind of mirrors this one a little bit where it's like Mm -hmm. this really cool ensemble. But like you like all the characters and everyone's banter works off each other really, really well. Mm -hmm. So we don't get a lot of great heist movies anymore. And I mean, I would say that in terms of the studio heist films that we've gotten, this is hands down one of the best that I've ever seen. And you know, obviously the sequels are not on our list, but I enjoyed both of them. I think Ocean's 12 kind of gets a bad rep. I don't think it's, at, it's nowhere near as good as the first one, but I don't think it's that bad of a sequel. I've seen way worse sequels than that, I, so.
1: I I'm an Ocean's 12 defender, so <laughs> you know, even though it's not on my list, I love that movie. I think it's so, like, the fun is palpable. I love, and it's kind of nonsense, you know, like, the the sequence with the lasers and all that stuff and and the the julia roberts i was just about to say that that was so
0: (laughs) that was fucking priceless that was incredible
1: like it's just such a fun movie and i love i think you know this is kind of a tangent but um one of the other things i love about um his movies are i love the the montages i love these these little sequences that are you know no dialogue set to you know either a song or just the score or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's not even like sometimes it's it's you know just a task being done and sometimes it's like you know he's establishing a whole relationship over the space of this like two minute montage but he's so good at it Yes, ocean 12 ocean 12 is one of the like prime examples i think of him doing that like a relationship establishing um when Captain Zeta-Jones and Brad Pitt you know meet each other and then you have this montage that I don't even know what the song is but I love the song oh it's um, so good
0: it's so good yeah
1: <laughs> and and you know it's like you can feel like the weight of this relationship within those two minutes like you you're immediately like buying into like the state, 100%. like you know, he's so good at it. And I think, like, that, honestly, that is like, one of the main reasons that I defend Ocean's 12. Because I'm like, you know what? Like, say what you will about, you know, the, the heist antics, whatever. But I think, like, in terms of, you know, kind of the emotion and the warmth and, and joy in this movie, like, I love it so much. Uh, yeah, I
0: mean, all, th- <laughs> all three all three of them are so good. They're just mm-hmm. so good. It's a, It's a very good, it's. I guess you could say one of the better trilogies that we have out there. It's, it's really, really fun stuff. So now we get to our number ones. I'm, I think I know what Bailey's number one is. I think I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I love whenever (laughs) I'm wrong. Of course I love whenever I'm right too, but I love being caught off guard. So Bailey, what is your favorite Soderbergh film of all time?
1: I I think that you're probably thinking what my number one is, which is out of sight.
0: I've, I called it. It, <laughs> it was so obvious. You know when you gave Ryan me says, the when you gave me the hint off air, you're like, oh, I'm wearing my out yeah. of sight t shirt. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, she did say that. Well, it all makes sense now. But in my head, I was thinking maybe you have, you're wearing that shirt just to spite everybody who does have it as their favorite <laughs> film of all time because you're like, no. I have this shirt purposely just because I hate the movie and everyone who loves it is crazy. <laughs> but it's no. Why is I, it your favorite of all time from him?
1: I love out of sight um as you mentioned i'm wearing my my out of sight shirt um because i couldn't find the hat that danny devito has oh. <laughs> because he's an executive producer on on out of sight but anyway um so i love it i think it's one of JLo's best roles if not her best um it's just like i don't know it's just i think th- this is one where it's just like I feel it in my bones that it's my, his, my, his, my favorite movie from him. Um, it's, you know, it's that familiar territory, I guess not at that point in his career, but for us of, um, you know, it's a heist movie. George Clooney is very good at what he does. He's trying to get out of a spot, you know? Um, but I think like with Ocean's 11, you know, it's kind of, it's fun. It's silly. Like, He's doing a heist, but, like, really, he's, you know, stealing back a girl, not money. Um, and then with Out of Sight, like, the stakes are, like, they're a little bit more real. You know, he, he's, he's escaped from jail. He, you know, he can't work a 9-to-5 job because he's never worked a 9-to-5 job. Like, he's not really built for the real world. Um, you know, he has Don Cheadle again doing great things in this movie. Um, Don Tito's kind of like antagonizing him like he's a guy that you know will kind of go to the more violent length that crimes sometimes require whereas George Clooney like you know he wants to be in and out like he he does kind of have fun with it but this particular instance is is a lot more grounded and then you know all of a sudden like he has his plan to get out and you know continue his life in crime and then he meets uh, Karen Cisco, J-Lo and then, you know, that kind of throws a wrench in everything. And he's like, whoa, like, what have I been doing with my life? Like, this girl is, you know, I think it's like, I love the conversation, you know, that they have in the scene where they're in the trunk and they're talking about movies. Um, and they talk about uh, Three Days with the Condor. And she says how, you know, she thinks that it's a little unrealistic that um, Faye Dunaway and Robert Redford fell in love so fast. And then, yes. of course, that's what they do they fall uh-huh. in love like immediately you know Mama and it's knows. like i
0: love it so i love it
1: so much <laughs> <laughs> exactly sometimes sometimes i like it's just what you need in a movie you know like you need him i think steven clouderberg is also or soderbergh is really good at um kind of telling you like up front what's gonna happen and then he kind of like you know sometimes it's obvious and then sometimes you're like oh you know he kind of indicated that earlier um but yeah i think like the the chemistry between um, Jennifer Lopez and George Clooney in this movie is so great. And I love, I kind of love, I love the idea of like, you know, two people who, you know, for whatever reason aren't supposed to be together. You know, somebody disapproves in this case, cop and criminal. Um, And, you know, they find some place that's kind of like neutral ground where they can have like, I think in the movie they say an, an interlude where, You know, those kind of real world um, limitations don't matter and they can they can be together. And I think like that is like some of the most romantic stuff that I've seen in a movie. And it's just it's so great to watch. Um, Yeah, I love it. (laughs) It's.
0: I know that when making my list, I knew that I had to just, I, I couldn't find any room to put it on my list. And I feel so bad because universally, a lot of people seem to have this maybe as their favorite. Mm-hmm. I earlier before I said that maybe a lot of people have Sex Lies and Videotape as their favorite, but I feel like realistically, everybody universally loves this one. Like this is one that everybody seems to adore and eat up. And I mean, yeah, it's great. It's so funny and it's so charming and it's so great. And I mean, yeah, Clooney's obviously great. And Jennifer Lopez really is amazing. Best performance? I mean, that's tough because her work in Hustlers is fucking phenomenal. And I do, like, I
1: do love her in Hustlers.
0: And it's, <laughs> but, it's, but I it's, loved it's,
1: her in this first.
0: <laughs> I, I also loved her in this first because <laughs> there was a period where I'm like, you know what? The only good movie that J.Lo was in was Out of Sight. But then she did Hustlers, and everyone was like. Where was this for the last 20 years, JLo? lo Like, yeah, it's nice that you tell us to get on the floor, but um, where's the good acting? And now here we are. And <laughs> now I, I love the movie and I love Don Cheadle in it as well. I love slimy, evil Don Cheadle. And, you know, I can't believe I didn't even bring this up when it came to the oceans movies i love his very cockney accent whenever he talks (laughs) you know this is bloody weird i just i i love it i at first i was a little turned off i'm like "Mm, don i don't know how i feel about you doing this accent
1: but it works (laughs) because you're so good at what you do
0: and can we also talk about how um hasn't aged like a day at all j-lo hasn't aged a day at all
1: I know. And randomly
0: and Don Cheeto, honestly, he's looked the same fight the last 20 years. Like I was recently, I was recently re-watching some clips from um from Boogie Nights. Mm -hmm. Still looks the exact same. Mm -hmm. And that movie's like 25 years old. It's insane. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Don, what the fuck, man? (laughs)
2: Like (laughs) you look great.
0: (laughs) But no, I I mean out of sight is so good. It probably would be like my number six or my number seven. It was like really Mm -hmm. close to making the top five, but Mm My number one, you brought it up before you mm-hmm. went with the other film that came out in 2000. Oh, so ah. my, my, so my favorite Soderbergh movie is Traffic, which I just watched for the first time, finally mm-hmm. in its entirety a few days ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I love myself a good crime film, I love myself mm-hmm. a good um thriller, like a crime drama, crime thriller, what have you, and this. I could be very hit or miss with stories that are, you know, put together, but they don't necessarily tie together completely. Mm -hmm. And there's three separate storylines going on with this movie. And the ensemble here is incredibly massive, like with pretty much every other Soderbergh movie. I mean, it's massive. And the ensemble has the likes of Michael Douglas, Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, Dennis Quaid, Catherine Zia Jones, um, Fucking Topher Grace? What?
1: Yeah, I <laughs> like, know.
0: Like James Brolin, Steven Bauer, Benjamin Brad, uh Erica Christensen Christensen, mm-hmm. like Lewis Lu- Guzman, like what is this fucking ensemble? Like holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> um It's tackling a story like this where deals with you know illegal drug trade and you know it talks about enforcers politicians drug traffickers um it's a very interesting way to bring this story to life and i think the way it's brought is pretty perfect soderbergh walked away with the best director award for this movie which is you, you wouldn't think that a film like this would take home a very high-profile award like the Oscar for Best Director. Why didn't mm-hmm. it win Best Picture? Honestly, it beats me. Um, I get very annoyed sometimes whenever a director wins an Oscar, but then the film did they But not
1: Best Picture. Not yeah. Best Picture, exactly. <laughs> now,
0: Now, Grant, let me be very clear. I love Gladiator. That's a great fucking movie. That would not have been my personal pick. I think this should have walked away with the award. And um, the filmmaking on display here is really excellent because what Soderbergh does really, really well is that when it comes to each story, there's a different color grade for each of them. Mm -hmm. Like... The stuff happening in Mexico with Benisa del Toro's character is super fucking grainy. It is super grainy. And then you cut to the stuff with Michael Douglas where it's very blue and it's like mm-hmm. very on and off. Like certain sequences are blue. Some sequences are a normal color. And then you have these sequences with Catherine Zia Jones where they're a lot brighter.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I like how it everything stands out differently visually.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I love how this is very different from a lot of Hollywood productions where, you know, it's a political thriller, a crime drama. And I think everyone across the board is phenomenal here. Benicio del Toro walked away with the Oscar for best supporting actor. And I don't know if this is my favorite performance that he's given, but it is one of the best that he's ever done. And I liked how, you know, later on he kind of went back to playing a character like this, but a lot less, a lot more meaner in Sicario, which I mean, again, another fucking snub, another snub. Like how do you not nominate that performance? That should have Mm -hmm. easily been nominated. Like what the actual fuck. Anyway, Mm -hmm. I digress. (laughs) I loved Michael Douglas in the movie. He plays the father figure really, really well. Um, I love Don Cheadle here as the cop and I love his banter of Lewis Guzman. I love their back and forth. It's really great. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, um, Cafferzia Jones was fantastic. Another actor that has aged like fine <laughs> wine. I've talked about Cafferzia Jones more on this show in the last couple of weeks than I ever anticipated. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely insane. You know, you brought up her in Ocean's 12 and she's mm-hmm. obviously worked with Soberg many times. I recently talked about the terminal on this podcast, which is a criminally underrated movie. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I just, I, if anyone out there has not seen The Terminal, you need to watch it like now, please. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think the way that this story is presented was the best way to do it. Now, it could have been like a mini series, you could have made this into a mini series, but I like how they jump back and forth. And it doesn't feel very jarring. And I know that sometimes when you have these films to where there's multiple stories going on at once and they're jumping back and forth from one to the other, it could be a little annoying and a little jarring and it could hurt your head. And you could be a little confused of what is which. But I like how Soderbergh is able to like, without telling us like, oh, this story is obviously separate from this story and that story. I like how they don't all tie together necessarily. In the Mm -hmm. end, I like how it's not like, Oh, hey, it's like Michael Douglas and Cavazier Jones meet together at the end. I like how it's all separated from one another. Mm-hmm. And seriously, I mean, the ensemble here is absolutely magnificent. And the stuff with Michael Douglas and his daughter, I mean, oh my God, like it left me shaken up. And you know what? It felt weird seeing Topher Grace play a drug addict. I'm like, Eric Foreman, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs>
1: like, Get back to the basement.
0: <laughs> get back to the basement. Exactly. Exactly. Get back to the fucking basement. <laughs> oh, my God. And I've talked about him way too much on this podcast recently, too. Like, talk about that 70s show. Spider-Man. Black Klansman. Now this. And I love. Also, could we just talk about how hilarious his little cameos are in the Oceans movies?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Uh, especially that it. second one when he has the long hair and he's in the hotel room. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. It's I so know. Good.
1: I love I love thinking of Steven Soderbergh like, being a huge That 70s Show fan and being like, I got to get this kid on my movie. Oh,
0: uh, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, I like to I like to think that every single filmmaker that casts Topher Grace and someone is a That 70s Show fan. Like, I like to think that when Spike Lee came to him and said, oh, hey, you're playing David Duke. Also, I'm a fan <laughs> of That 70s Show. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I like to think that that's exactly how the meeting went down when Spike Lee said, "Oh, hey, you're playing David Duke."
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> Completely
0: different from Eric Foreman. Um, <laughs> but no, traffic. It also the ending is so like, it's a very beautiful ending in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just ending on that shot, like staying like for two minutes on that shot of, at the baseball game in Mexico. Yeah, I mean, it it really left me shaken up and i'm not gonna lie i got very emotional watching it and it was a difficult film to watch Mm -hmm. i wasn't anticipating the subject matter to be as gruesome as it was but then again with soderbergh he doesn't shy away from tackling these kinds of stories and i like how realistic it was i like how grounded it was and when it Mm -hmm. got intense it really got intense and mm-hmm. yeah, it moves pretty slow. But what I like about that is that it takes its time. You get to know like the gist of all these characters and you get to understand their morals and what their purposes are and what exactly it is that they're doing and how they add to the stories that they're involved mm-hmm. in. And I really love that so much. I mean, this film, you know, got nominated for many Oscars. It won four. Like I said, it won best director for Soderbergh. It won best Supporting actor for Benicio del Toro, uh, Stephen Gagg. Steven Gagin won best adapted screenplay and then it won best film editing as well. And yeah. Um, I mean, it's a great film truly. And I, I think it's not always in my favorite thing that he's directed. I also think it's the best thing he's directed. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I really loved traffic. I was really blown away by it and I cannot wait to watch it again. I mean, it's not something I'm in any rush to watch again, but <laughs> I, I, I know that when I watch it again, I will definitely pick up on things that I had missed the first viewing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, the film was really, really great. So obviously with Traffic not being on your list, uh, what are your thoughts on the film?
1: Um, I also really like Traffic. I think, you know, to your point about it, it being grounded, I think like, you know, in contrast with things like Sicario, like Sicario still has, you know, an eye towards, kind of the more I guess local effects of you know the drug trade and stuff but I think you know there's still a lot of focus on the spectacle like you know like these shooting scenes and and kind of like the more action oriented stuff whereas traffic like that's kind of just like a consequence of of this you know system like he has it's very much concentrated on like what are the like the day-to-day effects of of the drug trade um and how does it kind of you know trickle down to people that you wouldn't think are affected like you know say the drug czar's daughter you know who gets addicted and you know kind of ruins her life and and all that stuff like i think it is a very it's a it has a very local and kind of global systematic approach to you know what is how does the drug trade work like how does something that happens you know among these um cartels in mexico kind of transfer over to you know kids on the street in wherever they are ohio um and yeah i think and i think you know everyone's doing such great work in it i think michael douglas especially um kind of going from you know War on drugs, drugs are like you know, oh, like they're all making mistakes, whatever. I think there's like a really great moment where he's talking to um like I think the equivalent of his job in mexico their are kind of drugs are, if you will,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um, he's like he asked something about like, oh what, what about the people who who take the drugs, like you know, what do you do to help them like when they're in recovery and whatever and the guy from Mexico he's like well that's the decision they made like if they die like that's fine just you know more people off the street that we don't have to worry about right and you can see like and this is before i don't know if it's before or like during his his you know after he's found out about his his daughter's drug problem but you can see like how much that that statement affects him and kind of how that um you know, knowing about that mindset kind of moves him forward. Like he asks his aides about, you know, what are we going to do to help people in recovery and and stuff like that. And then he becomes like more and more committed to that aspect of his job. That rather than you know all this kind of like fruitless policing and and you know trying to you know all this the more action oriented stuff. I guess it becomes much more about like the the humanist approach to. Um, the drug trade rather than you know that you know uh, the the more action oriented stuff and then like um i think too like it i think i was surprised how you know i guess like cynical it was about the establishment um especially for a movie you know that's like pre 911 but like you know we're still talking about like it's, you know we we've got pretty big movements at that time, war on drugs, all that type of stuff. I was pretty surprised at how um, cynical it was about, like, the, the efficacy of of policing and, and you know, the bureaucracy, especially American bureaucracy, when it comes to um, drugs and that. I, I, I really, even though it's not on my list, I really did enjoy it.
0: Yeah, and and also it's kind of crazy that when watching it now, you know, over 20 years after it came out, it still feels very timely to what's going on mm-hmm. now. I mean, obviously it's not like things are different now than they were 20 years ago when this movie came out, but there's still plenty of things that are tackled in this film that are still going on now in 2022, mm-hmm. and it's nuts. Like and when you watch a movie that comes out in a certain time, or is focused on a certain time, and yet it still finds a way of being relevant to, this, to today's society. I mean, that's insane. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the filmmakers don't know that this is going to happen, but it's crazy that you watch a film like Traffic. And even though it's, you know, tackles this very difficult subject, it still finds a way of like really resonating with what's going on today. It's mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. And I mean, i I got really like just thinking about it too. It's making me very emotional. I mean, it's a really beautiful film, and mm-hmm. I I think everything like about it just is pretty perfect. It's incredible that this film is what it is. It's so disappointing that I didn't watch it in its entirety until very recently because I think mm-hmm. if I had watched this long ago, I would have loved it. But I'm still glad. I'm so glad that I finally did get to sit down and watch it because I mean. Mm-hmm. It really is to me his masterpiece. And I haven't seen a film from him that is as good as this one. I mean, yeah, it's obviously not as rewatchable as like an Oceans Eleven right, or an right. Out of Sight, but I think the filmmaking on display is really magnificent. And yeah. I I just love it so much. So, you know, those are my that's my number one. And before, you know, we get into some of the films that didn't make the cut. Let's recap our list from five to one. So, Bailey, what is your list?
1: Okay, so from five to one, my list is Solaris, uh, Aaron Brockovich, Ocean's Eleven, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, and then my number one is Out of Sight.
0: And to recap my list, coming in number five is Logan Lucky. Number four is Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Number three is Magic Mike. Number two, Ocean's Eleven. And number one, Traffic. So that is it with our list. So now let's talk about some of the films that didn't make the cut. So Bailey, what are some films that you want to give a shout out to that didn't make your list?
1: Okay, Um, let's see. Kimmy, uh, I think, is one of his more recent ones that I kind of went into that one, like, you know, whatever, new movie, let's watch it. And I was really surprised. I think it's really good. I think it has some, I think it's like a great kind of like, it's in the vein of like old school thrillers, old school paranoia thrillers. Um, you know, and I think it's also one of the, I think it's one of the movies that employs COVID in a way that doesn't feel like, you know, it's trying to do something with it. It doesn't feel like unnatural or anything like that. Like it's just an element of the movie that happens to heighten, you know, um, kind of the, the tensions at play there. Um, which I really enjoyed because I think, you know, more and more we're getting movies and TV show that, that integrate COVID and some of it feels very weird. And, you know, I don't, it's, it's hard. It's a hard thing to integrate, but I think um, Soderbergh did a really great job in it. I think Zoe Kravitz is great in it. And I think one aspect of the movie that I really, um, uh, that really stood out to me watching it this time around was the music. Um, I think that it is so great at establishing, um, the tension and her paranoia and her fear and, and everything. And, um, it's Cliff Martinez who did the the score who, um, Soderbergh has worked with a few times. Um, and it's just, it really stood out to me this time. And I was like, this is, you know, I knew it was a good movie, but it's a good movie. <laughs> um and then some other ones that i really enjoyed um unsane uh i've never really been big on claire foy but uh watching this one the other day i was like oh she's she's actually like very good in this and i think that one that's one where he shot it on the iphone mm-hmm. um which you know however you feel about that as a gimmick um i think it really works for uh the narrative in unsane i think it really contributes to. You know the kind of the way that he shoots it. It uh, the iPhone really contributes to the that isolating feeling. The kind of the weird like fish eye look. Um, you know it kind of makes her it makes her look weird. It makes her look like you know things aren't necessarily happening the way that she's perceiving them. Stuff like that. Um, and I think that this is kind of like the it's kind of like the dark sided sex lives and videotape where you know she is being watched she is having these intimate moments kind of intruded on but without her consent um so it's kind of interesting to think of them like in conversation um and then another one that i liked was high flying bird uh another iphone one and i don't think that the gimmick worked in service of the narrative so much there but i still really love the movie um I think Andre Holland is great in that movie, uh, and I think that one I also like to think of as kind of a heist movie, um, in the sense of the premise of High Flying Bird is that there's an NBA lockout, um, and Andre Holland is a sports agent, and you know they're trying to negotiate between the the owners, the NBA owners, and the NBA players, um, and obviously the owners you know they want to be making more money and the players want to be making more money but there's more players to split all of this amongst so there's kind of you know debate there and then andre holland basically like over the course of i think three days engineers the situation so that the players can come out on top so you kind of like again like it's kind of weird to think of it as a heist movie i guess but like it's it's that same idea where you know it seems like everything is not really going well he has a plan but it's not really working out and then all of a sudden at the end you find out that it was all according to his plan you know he knew exactly what he was doing from from the beginning and you know it was all it was all in his hands the whole time which I really love um and then another one that I watched that I liked was Contagion um watched that for the first time. Recently, I'm glad that I had waited because if I'd watched it right after the pandemic started, <laughs> I think I would be a much more fragile person right now. um but that one's great. um I think Matt Damon has a really good performance in that that um I think you know i i I never really know how I feel about Matt Damon, but I think generally I come out on on the positive end with him, and then this movie, I do for sure and uh Kate Winslet too so great in that oh my
0: queen, <laughs> my queen. <laughs>
1: um but that one I I think you know that's kind of another like I i I guess like it's not really intended as a paranoia thriller because you know in 2011 COVID wasn't a thing but it definitely it made me a little paranoid watching it um you know watching them touch all these these surfaces and i'm like guys don't do that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's that i mean honestly like going through watching these movies i was like how am i gonna choose because he just has so many good ones like i was saying earlier like even even when they're not that great like they're still there's still such a style like there's still a clear vision you know however you feel about the execution like There's no doubting like, you know, he set out to accomplish something making this movie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for me, when it comes to the opera mentions, I I really enjoyed Kimmy. I really enjoyed High Flying Bird. I haven't seen Unsane. I really Mm -hmm. like Claire Foy. So Mm -hmm. I do need to give that a watch, especially since I'm going to see her in a few weeks when I go to the New York Film Festival. So I got I got to support Claire and watch. (laughs) Um. Uh, going through, let's see what we have. Uh Yeah, Contagion is so fucking good. <laughs> I remember when that trailer came out, I saw that trailer all the fucking time. Oh, my God. And it kept playing the same scene. And it's not a funny scene. I don't think it's funny. But when the trailer, the way they edited it is so funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt Damon is told that his wife, Glennon Potrow, is dead. He's like, OK, can I go see her? you don't understand she said what are you talking about what happened to her <laughs> <laughs> like it's not funny when you watch the movie but like just the way it's right, put together out of in the context, trailer yeah. out mm-hmm. of context exactly Um, but no it's a great film and I have not seen it since I I can't even tell you the last time I watched it and mm-hmm. I remember everyone's like oh you've seen this movie contagion when the pandemic started I'm like I'm not watching that now are you nuts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good no. fucking movie but god that and the um, oh, that Dustin Hoffman pandemic one with the um Outbreak. Ebola yeah Outbreak yeah everyone was watching those two movies and I'm like are you nuts no like are you <laughs> why would you watch these movies now like at this point now in 2022 like late 2020 sure you could watch them but yeah early 2020 no thank you Um, <laughs> uh, let's see side effects I really enjoyed really like that one another great thriller uh daddy ju law fantastic job in the movie fantastic <laughs> performance rooney mara she plays fucked up so well it's insane how someone could play fucked up so well uh another person that i've seen in a few weeks i cannot wait to see her um right. no rooney mara was amazing in this movie and so was ju law i mean Oh my god! Like he was yeah. the perfect person to play the doctor. Chan Tan for his small time on screen, I thought he did a good job. And then Catherine Zia <laughs> Jones, she does some things in this movie that made my heart race. <laughs> and when I watched the movie, I'm like, is this actually real, or am I just dreaming this? <laughs> and if you and if you've seen the movie. You know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen mm-hmm. the movie, well, you better change that because the movie is pretty fucking good. And this was the movie that came out to where people were like, oh, my God, this is the last film from Soderbergh. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Well, technically, mm-hmm. before he retired, his last movie <laughs> is another arm for me behind the candelabra which mm-hmm. has Michael Douglas and Matt Damon. Michael Douglas plays Liberace. He swept all the awards. I'm telling you right now, if this were a film that came out in theaters, I think 100% Michael Douglas would have won every fucking award for this movie. He yeah. would have won the Oscar. He would have won like the Globe. Fantastic film, like fantastic mm-hmm. biograph, biographical drama, biographical drama. I mean, it's so different from Aiden Soberg has done. Like mm-hmm. you watch, it's so weird that this and side effects came out in the same year because side effects is this really fucked up thriller. And then you have this very personal drama and it's so good. Mm-hmm. And th- the makeup work on both of these guys was insane.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I never thought that I would see Matt Damon and Michael Douglas play lovers, but Hey, here we are. So <laughs> uh, great, fil- great film, truly great film. And then, Um, I think that might be it for me in terms of honorable. Yeah, I think that's it for me in terms of honorable mentions. You know, I also I don't want to talk about anything negative on this show, but I'm sorry. I need to vent very quickly about the laundromat.
1: I was going to say I was like, I watched that earlier today. No, (laughs) sorry. That (laughs) that movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't it understand was, how that movie has a 50%. That movie should be in the the literal 20%. Right? Yeah. That mm-hmm. film is so fucking terrible and I don't think it's Soderbergh's fault. I think it's I, I think for the directing it's directed pretty well, but the screenplay yeah. sucks. And yeah. that's a movie where all these different stories come together and it's such a mess. And Mm -hmm. I don't like that. I don't like how he tried to make this big short-like movie, and it just did not work at all. And the ensemble here, it's so sad because I love all these people. Meryl Streep, Gary Oldman, Antonio Banderas, Jeffrey Wright, Robert Patrick, Sharon Stones in this, and fucking Ross Geller. Yep. (laughs) What a waste. Wait mm-hmm. nothing, and then fucking Meryl Streep just comes out of her makeup at the end, delivers. Yeah,
1: I didn't. Yeah, give I,
0: me I, a fucking I, break.
1: <laughs> I didn't like the like, I guess like frame of like the frame um, of the, yeah, I, yeah, I just, like the uh, of Antonio Banderas and uh, Gary Oldman. Like you know, it was kind of like it was almost like that part was a play, and then the rest of it was a movie. It was very I and I didn't I did not like that ending monologue from Meryl. I'm sorry sorry babe a, it didn't work it, a, it was just so bad It yeah was so
0: bad and it's like oh my god i'm like steven what the fuck man i know what, what are you doing
1: here,
0: buddy <laughs> like seriously this was a bad day at the office this was clearly a bad day at the office that yeah. whole monologue at the end that Streep gave was just so i i don't understand i literally don't understand I don't understand what they were going for. I mean, I guess I I do, but the execution just did not work at all. And then I'm not going to lie, though. Every time I cut back to uh, Gary Oldman and um, uh, Antonio Banderas, I just kept thinking in my head. I'm like, oh, this is a serious black and puss in boots just narrating everything so you know i love that parent so much so yeah I, i'm gonna mm-hmm. accept that and it's just so sad to because antonio banderas the 2019 that was a fire year for him because pain mm-hmm. and glory was fucking incredible and then he's in this movie and it's like oh what a slump like seriously yeah like it's, it's honestly the only soderbergh movie that i've seen that i really straight up don't like it's yeah. probably the only one that i could think of that i don't like because obviously there are others that I haven't seen. I mean, that Meryl Street boat movie he did was okay. It was fine. Let them all talk. Like, that movie was okay. I haven't I like seen... like
1: that one, but it's it's definitely, like, it's it's a quieter one. I think it's there a... are, like... Yeah. There there are parts that I enjoy, but I wouldn't put it, like... You know, I'm not putting it in my top five, obviously. Right, and, right. Yeah. You know.
0: And then I yeah. haven't seen No Sudden Move, but I want to watch it because... Brendan Frazier's back, and I need to see that, but I just haven't seen that one. I do like how Don Chino and Benicia La toro are leaving that film. I think that's great. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I do need to check that. Did you see that one?
1: I have i I actually rewatched it earlier today. Um, I think I like that one. I think that one is a little bit it's based on a real story. I guess, but that kind of comes out of left field, like right at the very end. Like I didn't know that until the very end, the <laughs> first time I watched it. And but I think like everyone's really good in it. I think um, you know, again, it's like a great ensemble, and it's one of the he. It's one of those, you know, a little bit more complicated, his more complicated take on on crime movies. That a little bit more contemplative, you know, a little bit slower. But I think it's it's definitely worth the watch, and it's definitely better than Laundromat.
0: I mean but I mean what what it what is worse than the (laughs) launch of and now to talk about his upcoming projects first let's talk about this limited series that he has coming out Mm -hmm. called uh, where is I just had it's called full circle it's going to be on HBO Max and they added a new cast member today I'll save him for last but the cast that is assembled here so far we have Zazie Beetz Claire Danes timothy all dennis quaid and the cast member they added today emmy winner jareel jerome great cast i have no idea what this is about oh here we go an investigation into a botched kidnapping undercovers long-held secrets connecting multiple characters and cultures in present day new york well sounds exactly like something that Soderbergh would do and i will eat it up and i cannot wait to see this Love all these actors and some mm-hmm. of whom have worked with Soderbergh before. Some of them have not worked with him before. And I, yep, sounds great. What do you, what do you think of this?
1: Um, I think I'm very excited for it. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, but he also has TV shows like The Nick and um, The Girlfriend Experience. Uh, I haven't watched The Girlfriend Experience, but I have watched The Nick, and that's really good. So I think yeah, he, like he
0: directed all the episodes of The Nick.
1: Yes, exactly. So um, I think, you know, he's demonstrated that he can, you know, have the best of both worlds. He can do movies. He can do TV. All these actors are great. I'm very excited. I hope that, you know, you know, he loves a little sexy moment. I hope that Timothy Oliphant gets a sexy moment because, you know, we need it.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, we're not gonna get that in Amsterdam. So this is the better one to get. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. we're we're hopeful, we're hopeful that Steven gives him that sexy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And now finally, one of the most anticipated films coming out next year. Magic Mike's Last Dance. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. So, like I said before. I have not seen Magic Mike extra extra large. So <laughs> I do need to watch that before watching this one. But when it was announced that they were making a third Magic Mike movie and Soderbergh was coming back to direct it, I think everyone got excited for it because oh yeah. You know, I'm I know that a lot of people really enjoyed the second one, but obviously you could feel Soderbergh's presence missing as a director, even though he shot the movie and edited it it felt weird that he didn't direct it, but now he is mm-hmm. directing this one and you know, they're going to have, they're going to wrap up Mike's story and it's going to be crazy. Probably it's going to be great. It's probably going to make everyone squeal and scream. Now the cool thing with this film, and this just broke a few days ago at the time of this recording. So this was originally supposed to be an HBO max exclusive release. Okay. Whatever. I would have watched it in the heartbeat, but I was like, and I'm sure you were the same way and pretty much everybody that like a lot of the people that we both follow and everything that are mutuals were like, okay, why the fuck isn't this going to theaters? Why is this Mm -hmm. being dumped on HBO Max? Soderbergh, Magic Mike, this would do so well at the box office. The first two films did incredibly well financially. So Mm -hmm. why wouldn't this film go to theaters? Well, Warner Brothers the other day. Made a very smart decision that they couldn't do with the Batgirl, unfortunately, by just showing it in theaters. Instead, they announced Magic Mike's Last Dance will be coming out in theaters. And the good news is we don't have to wait long because it comes out on February 10th. We just have to wait like four months (laughs) for it. Like less than four. Today is September 20th when we're recording this. We have less than five, five months, months. Yeah. until this movie comes out. I guarantee a trailer is right around the corner. We're probably going to get a trailer very, very soon. Hopefully, fingers crossed. But I'm so excited to see how the story wraps up. I cannot mm-hmm. wait to see the slew of actors that he gets to be in this movie. I wonder if he's going to get any returning cast members. Um, I'm I'm so excited for this. My hype is through the roof high. Um, obviously, there's so many films that I'm excited for next year. Someone asked me yesterday. Are you more excited for Magic Mike's Last Dance or Dune Part Two? And I'm like, you're probably gonna call me crazy, but Magic Mike's Last Dance. <laughs> no, that's uh, a valid answer. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, where is your hype level for Magic Mike's Last Dance?
1: Oh, I'm so excited. As I as I tweeted the other day, I think that a Magic Mike 3 theatrical release will do for movies, for horny movies, what Top Gun Maverick has done for dad movies. One hundred percent. Okay percent. <laughs> <laughs> magic mike will save the cinemas
2: oh so yes Top he Gun will has
1: done um i think i i can't remember if i saw i'm pretty sure i saw the first one in theaters i definitely remember seeing the second one in theaters which was such a great experience because um like i said like the second one is definitely more like we're getting the band back together like shenanigans type stuff you know it's like it doesn't have quite that somber note that the first one does, which I do really love in the first one. But like the second one is just like pure fun. Um, and I'm sure like the third one is going to have a good mix of both, but it was just such a great like collective experience. I remember I went to go see it at an Alamo and they printed out these like little dollar bills that you could um, throw like whenever, you know, they were doing dances on screen and stuff. It was so funny. <laughs> I I think I still have one. that has Donald Glover printed on it (laughs) (laughs) but yes I I can't wait I have full faith that that Soderbergh will do a great job um I'm hoping for some you know fun cameos like the last one had Donald Glover um it had um who else Andy McDowell like there were just so many people in it that were you know fun to just see like just show up for a second oh jada pinkett smith obviously that was great she was great in that um i think it'll be such a great time i'm so excited
0: so i <laughs> truly truly hyped so our final thoughts on soderbergh really just an extraordinary talent working today i mean he continues pumping out great stuff film after film i love that he has tackled so many different genres i love how eclectic his filmography is and i love how he directs and writes and shoots and edits his films. I You can't really think of a filmmaker that does that. And I love that he's able to do that. I really love this guy. And I'm so glad that he came out of his retirement and now is <laughs> continuing to do work. I've been a fan of him for a long time. Obviously, like I said, there's still so many films of his that I have to go through. But from what I've seen, I could say that I am a true fan of Soderbergh.
1: Absolutely. I think... You know, he's such a great director. And like I said, I think he's like truly like the great equalizer between like, you know, us film bros and, uh, you know, the general public. He really the guy knows how to make a movie.
0: (laughs) He really he really does. And Bailey, I'm so glad I got to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on today to talk to me about Steven Soderbergh. Really, it's it was an honor to have you on. So thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Well, thank you again for having me. I had such a great conversation with you. I honestly want to go watch more movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we love to do, we love that enthusiasm when it comes to film fragments. So where could the people find you online? Where could they find V the Bailey?
1: Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Ben, B e b e e n underscore Hooray, H-E-R-D-E. Um, yeah, I just, you know, like I said, just be tweeting bullshit all the time. Come and join me.
0: <laughs> yes, definitely go give her a follow. The link will be down in the description below. Uh, you guys can follow me on social media, simply at Brian. Suffield. you, you guys could subscribe to the show on YouTube, all the podcasts and platforms. We have a Twitter and Instagram. Follow us on there to stay up to date with what's going on with the show. We have a lot of great episodes coming to you guys in the next couple of weeks. Lots of great guests, lots of great topics. Guys, it's a very exciting time right now for film. There's a lot of great films coming out. I'm about to go to the New York Film Festival in just under two weeks. I'm so excited. So I cannot wait for you guys to see what's in store for the next couple of weeks on Film Fragments. But seriously, guys, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for sticking with us. Thank you so much for joining us today for this very awesome episode where we talked about Steven Soderbergh. And I will see you guys for the very next episode of Film Fragments. Take care, everybody.